start since. I'm not sure. I think he flew. He, he yep. uh, according to his Facebook, he was there yesterday. Yeah, I think he ended up on the West Coast when he was done with yeah. his 50 things. Yeah. Hey, Sean, is that the dude that stopped for Arkansas and flew with us a little bit? Um, I don't I know. know. A while ago. Yeah, he, he was he was in the middle of the 50 state challenge back in November when I was down in Florida. So he and I think he finished it sometime. <laughs> I think he finished it sometime around I don't know April the latest, somewhere in that time frame, April May. Yeah, I know that he went to all 50 states. He was trying to uh, he was trying to get what thousand uh, dollars in every state and. Make uh, fifty thousand dollars to donate. Somewhere in that time frame, April, May. Yeah. So that's pretty yeah, cool. Yeah, I know that we went to all fifty. Ah, we are live, guys. We are live. Oh. oh. Welcome. Welcome to Clear Prop TV. States is trying to mute. Mute me. Mute me. Shh. All right. So we are streaming live audio. Hello, everyone. Welcome. And we are streaming audio live. Welcome, everyone. Man, we got a got a bunch of people in here right now. We got myself, PPG Grandpa, a.k.a. Sean Simons. I mean, either way. I mean, Sean Simons, a.k.a. PPG Grandpa, whatever. We got Linda Anderson. Hello, Linda. We got Brian Waller in the house. Waller in with the pig. What's up, Waller? We got JP <laughs> Tulo, Tommy Mosley, and never trust that skinny chef Shane. Matter of fact, Yellow. matter of fact, I think that he put on a um, a filter, and now look at him. Look at him. He's skinny and handsome. What the hell? That's also awesome. And I work at Home Depot now. What's up, Home Depot? Oh yeah. <laughs> and and our and our guest today. Um, has not made it yet. Harley, the, the guy that made the 50X Challenge at 50xchallenge.info, um, he has not made it here, so he will be here as soon as possible. So no worries. No worries. There's so many other things that we can talk about. Matter of fact, we were talking before the show here went live. We we're like, well, what are we going to talk about? We're going to talk about XCs and uh, doing some cross countries. Uh, Tommy and I actually did a couple cross countries uh, lately. And uh, Brian Waller and Never Trust the Skinny Chef Shane said that they never done a cross country before. And um, uh, no, that's not true. Uh, cross country is when you take off and land someplace that you didn't take off from. So Shane actually took off and landed in a field because of what? What happened? Ran out of fuel. <laughs> Ran out of fuel, and then old Brian Waller, he wanted to try to kick hay. Hey! Kick. And he decided he decided he wanted to, to see what an ambulance ride felt like uh, instead of going back to his LZ. I'm glad that you're okay. Show us, Brian. Brian, show Thank us you. your show us your new um, your new footwear. Uh-oh. Let me see if I can hike it up here for you. Oh, it weighs a lot more. Ah. 
That's about a 20 pound removable boot. That's the key word there is it's removable. That's I can take it off and go swimming. So how much hardware do you got in there? In your uh just just one plate uh with five screws in it total. And just one plate, five screws, couple staples, <laughs> keel yeah. rod. Yeah. <laughs> No big deal. The, plate, the plate's about five inches long, and the screws hold it in. It probably won't come out, maybe ever, but uh, there's also a three-inch screw going straight through the ankle of a pivian tibula. And um, anyway, that's supposed to come out here in about four or five weeks. Uh, they told me I can go ahead and start walking on it now as long as I feel comfortable. So hopefully I'll be flying. Uh, my plan is to be elk hunting in Colorado the month of September. So we'll see how that works. So are you gonna so you just, start you to try to save the fly? when they pull it out if they pull it out? I've got uh, a little Corona bag or a Crown Royal bag of uh, titanium screws from when I made the game. How many do you have? Um, like you, it was one plate with four screws, a couple of staples, and a couple pins. Wow, gotcha. Uh, titanium. <laughs> titanium is just. You know, it's medical waste. They can't do anything with it. They would have to melt it down and recycle it or something or whatever. So if you ask them to keep it, they should give it to you because it's technically yeah. yours. Well, you yeah, I mean, I already paid for it, so might as well take it. Yeah, yeah, you did. You paid for it. But, uh, I guarantee it. One way or another. Yeah, just put it in an enclosed, like, casing and then hang it on the chat how's it going richard is in the chat how you doing so howdy howdy as i am trying to type this um you know what since we don't have our guest let's go ahead and just uh let's just invite everybody um the room is Exactly. So the room is, there's the room number and the password is very complicated and complex. So make sure that you put it in correctly. There you go. It's pineapple. Pineapple. <laughs> <laughs> All right. It's, uh, since we don't have an official show, I, uh, Shane gave a shout out on his barbecue season another day. So I'm going to give a shout out on some beer. I have a, uh, a fan, I guess you would call it. I've, I've never had a fan before. You guys have been watching my YouTube videos for uh, a good year, at least, and commenting on them. Uh, we've, been, we've been back and forth on Facebook, whatever. And uh, he saw me on this show, during my introduction show, drinking beer. Imagine that. <laughs> but uh, he wanted to know what I was drinking. And I told him we started talking about IPAs and stuff. So he's up in Syracuse, New York area, and 
businesses actually comes from Massachusetts called Greenhouse uh, Treehouse uh, Brewing Company, and he, he sent me a six pack of variety of beers. Wow, uh, pretty cool dude to do that. So, Jim, thanks, sir. <laughs> I'm gonna try this one right now. <laughs> That's awesome. That's cool. Yeah, I like beer. That's my favorite thing about going to Colorado when I first started working back in 2004. They sent us out there to test the highways, how loud they were. And uh, in Alabama, back then, they didn't draft beer was illegal. You couldn't buy any alcohol on Sundays. So you go out to Colorado, and there's a brewery on every corner. It was awesome. Of course, they, they got other stuff out there now. Did someone uh, send to Herbie a private message? Um, yeah, I... I, I, I sent him. him yeah. I sent him a text. I sent him a private message. I put it on Facebook that we're starting in X amount of time. Haven't heard from him, but you know it's no big deal. I, I mean, you, you know that a lot of people get busy, so it's no big deal. Um, we have uh, a big crew in here. Um, not to say that you all are big. I'm just saying that the crew is. We got a big crew and large crew. There we go, and. Uh, we decided that uh, we're going to talk about cross country since we don't have Harley in here right now, especially since he did the biggest cross country. We want to talk about our little minuscule cross countries that we have done. Um, that's just very dwarfing uh, Harley's 50 states. I can't even imagine. Let's see how many states have I flown in Arkansas, Oklahoma. That's it. So I did two so far. Um, who who did more than two two flights in? I can uh, match you. Okay, where'd you go? Uh, I flown in Ohio. Obviously, that's where I'm from. Uh -huh. And then uh, flown in Florida. Oh, which, nice! Uh, it's hot, and steep, but it's awesome. Absolutely. I don't know what Tommy said. It sounds like he's uh, losing signal but i did go to the siv course so i kind of technically flew free flying over i think in, you did i think that counts that's three that's three okay three out of 50. gotta keep on moving so 47 to go yeah shane have you flown any place other than just in your home state or have you flown other places no uh only my home state. I will be going to Ohio uh, in October. I think it's October. The end of September, beginning of October. Um, and that's been it. Other than different counties, I've flown Wachula, I've flown uh, Avon, and over there, Ava, uh, Aviators at Lake Wales. Um, I'm going back to Lake Wales uh, for the SIB course with. Uh, Sean. Sweet. Brian, did you say that you just flew in your, your hometown or your home state? Uh, well, yeah, Alabama, I've flown around 40 times. And then uh, my first 26 flights were down at uh, Lake Wells, Florida and down at Aviator. So I've flown two states so far. That seems to be the, the standing. Um, Tommy, I know that you've flown here and you also flown in Oklahoma. On the mountain, um, is there any other places that you've flown that I didn't know about? No, that's it. So two states seem to be about the average. That's that's pretty neat. Anybody plan on doing a cross country and and cro and starting in one state and going to another state? 
You are. Tell us about it. Yeah. Well, I mean, for the last three years, I've been living on my camper, and I go out for a couple months at a time. Coronavirus kind of slowed my schedule down, uh, just like a lot of other people. But, but yeah, as soon as my leg gets where I can foot launch again, um, you know, I'm definitely going out for a, you know, a few weeks here, a month here, and I'm planning to go to New England, uh, Central United States, Ohio, Indiana area. I haven't done Central U.S. Have been to Louisiana, but I'm making friends in a sport all over the country so far. Uh, I've got dozens of states that I have friends in, West Coast, East Coast. And I'm definitely going to fly with people, man. I'm, I'm coming to a town near you one day soon. I hope that you I hope you get over here to Arkansas and you go fly with us. Uh, there's a lot of uh, a lot of hay bales that we can go and, and fly around, but this time don't kick, right? Um, Tommy, do you plan on doing anything uh, crazy, like going to another state or flying in one state, going to another state, or what are your plans, Tom? Um, I, I've got millions in my head, but I don't I don't know where to start. So. Uh, I've always wanted to go to the Badlands. I've always wanted to go to Moab. I've always wanted to go to a lot of these places. The guy we had on last week, those canyons that he flies in, that looks amazing. So, this is too big to really, really know. But uh, I would really like to do, I think Oklahoma and Arkansas right now, there's so much to explore here. I'm happy. I'm very happy. You know what we could do, Tommy? We could start off over here in Arkansas and fly over to Oklahoma. Probably, yeah. That wouldn't be hard at all. Go from Fort Smith to Tallahena. Mm -hmm. We can start off right. over at Fort Smith. They got the uh, the sod farm up there. That's the one that he teaches on. So we can go from that sod farm and fly all the way to uh, Hefner uh, Mountain. Mountain. That would be that'd be a blast. That'd, that'd be, be fun. that'd be a long trip. Um, JP, what's up? Do you plan on going on any long distance uh, XCs? Uh, do you want to? What do you, what's your take on cross countries? Um, I enjoy them as a, a thing. Yeah, I, uh, I'm always a little bit nervous to attempt without ground support, you know what I mean? Yeah, because uh, these two stroke motors they're great, but they don't have the reputation for reliability. That uh, it, it would be nice if they were one hundred percent. You knew that you could depend on it. You could fly wherever and know that you're going to make it back. And you know, um, so I'm always a little bit weary to doubt stuff like that. But just uh, last night, I met up with a couple guys and, and we flew. I don't know, 10, 15 miles out. Went to see a reservoir and uh, we we're going to stop by at Quarry, but ended up not doing that. It was just, man, words cannot describe the type of flight that we had last night. Like, it was just, the weather was perfect and beautiful. The temperature, the, 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 you know, the sunset was, oh, you know, it's, to describe it is just uh, a waste because you got to get out there and experience it for yourself. It's breathtaking and life-changing and just the control you have just dangling your feet in the air, you know. 1,000, 2,000, 5,000 feet, whatever you want. It's just fantastic. And I'm going to stop there because it looks like uh, yeah. I'm having an yeah. issue with the group. It looks like what? Oh, we hey, got Harley. Harley. Hey. How's it going, Harley? What's up, Harley? Can anybody hear him? 
No, he's good. As- <laughs> yeah, you made it. Uh, where are you? Uh, Thank you. Uh, casting from? I am. I guess you can hardly see us. If I can turn my phone, I'm at a an, a San Martin Airport, which is just south of uh, San Jose. So uh, California. Uh, no, a little further south than. Uh, Morgan Hill, and then of course you've got Gilroy, which is known for garlic, heading on the way down to Monterey. Awesome, awesome. Well, well thank you for coming on the show. Yeah, no, my my pleasure, and I'm I'm so so sorry I'm late. <laughs> <laughs> no worries, no worries, no worries yeah, brother. Yeah, we we yeah we we were actually talking about cross countries and what we thought, and you know. Um, uh, what have we done? And, you know, we've done, you know, maybe two or three states, you know, our, our longest cross country was not very long, but um, I, th- I think you got us beat on everything. Uh, so you went to 50 different states. Were you able to raise your $50,000? Um, I raised um, what uh, sort of added up to be about 20000 So wow. not as much. Um, you know, when COVID, COVID started to sort of get extreme and yeah, everyone is struggling. I, I didn't even feel right about sort of talking too much about the whole, you know, raising money side of things. So um, I, you know, pretty much from uh, the time I left Florida all the way to through, I, I really didn't raise very much money. A little bit here and there that came in. But still, $20,000 for, for charity, that, that's a lot of money to be able to, uh, to, to raise. So what charities... Or charity have you decided to, um, to to send this money to? Yeah, so um, the whole goal all, all along was just to inspire people to donate to charities of their choice. So I didn't actually define where the money was going. And it was actually much easier to manage because then, you know, it's kind of open to everybody to do what they wanted to do. So I think you know, what the total was in, in actual cash and so forth. Um, but, you know, for example, there was an angel flight, which by itself is valued at around about $10,000. Um, there's a doctor who went to Guatemala and donated some of his time, and that was worth several thousand. Um, it was kind of cool because, you know, a fair number of people donated cash towards, like, resurgence, uh, wounded warriors, and a few like that. So that, that, was, that was pretty cool. That is absolutely amazing. What we're going to try to do tonight is to ask you questions that you haven't been asked before, um, because I know that you've been on many different podcasts and talked a, a lot over these last, um, how many months has it been? So it took me seven months and, I don't know, seven months and two days or something I get to do the trip. Um, obviously, I, I could have done it a lot faster in terms of trying to set a record. But, you know, a lot of it was really about seeing the country. And so being the first person to do that, it was kind of fun to just take my time and, and do everything. Um, and then, of course, with COVID shutting things down, particularly towards the end of the trip, like I, I really did want to go to Yellowstone. And um, so, I, you know, I did slow things down by almost a month. So it's, it's very easy to do in six months. Uh, I would say if you're really just trying to go ahead and fly in every state, and you're just trying to knock them out. You can obviously do it much quicker, but then you're going to lose out on the interactions. And that was the, for 
me, the biggest game changer that I don't think anyone really asked me about was when I started. First of all, when I went to Hawaii, no one knew what I was doing. No one, no one even cared. And then I was lucky enough to be in Robert Michael's show, and I had no idea the number of people that were starting to watch. And um, you know that that was when I got back to California. But it really wasn't until I got to Arkansas and started to you know, tell somebody, hey, I will just put it out there in the groups and I was going from one state to the next state and then people started me call, started calling me instead of me having to reach out to the different groups and uh, I mean I'm still I'm still nobody. I'm surprised anyone remembers my name still, but uh, it's been absolutely amazing just, you know, how many people did start to reach out and obviously COVID changed that quite a lot, yeah. but uh, the experience of meeting so many paramotorists across the country is, is so incredible. Flying's, of course, are great, but what are you going to do? Well, um, like, um, going to fly a lot of these places at the best time of year with the best weather, uh, you know, there's so many cool places that I'm just dying to go back to. Um, you know, there's some flights that I did that they were great. I don't really want to try them again because they were tough. Right. Um, but yeah, it's, it just, you know, it does. Thank you for asking the question because, you know, it really does make me happy and excited. Hey, I, have a, I have a question for the, for the guests. Uh, out of all the uh, places and people that you've met, has anybody ever decided to take you out to lunch and then make you pay for the, for the, for the meal? <laughs> what? <laughs> Do we know if he's even watching? <laughs> yes. Yeah, he actually asked the question, so I, I'm just I'm just paraphrasing, if you will. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> only, only one guy. <laughs> <laughs> just one. I mean, there's always that one guy that will say, "Hey, let's go to dinner or to lunch." And oh, by the way, I don't have my wallet. Yeah. Well, I, I'm working on something, so at some point I'm just going to show up on his doorstep and be like, hey, dude, you're taking me out for lunch now. <laughs> uh, Sean, in case you were wondering, that was paramotor crazy. Oh. So, so yeah, it's, it's a it's a inside joke, I guess, or on his show, he had, he had him on, he, he had the guests on, and uh, that was a big... Uh, he was so embarrassed that he asked him to go out to lunch, was going to pay for his lunch and everything, and then gets there and doesn't have his wallet. Oh, and, like, no. Just, I can't imagine. I think they, they only took cash, which was the problem. Oh. You know, I, I, I love David's pieces, you know, it's, uh, but it is, it's a standing inside joke now. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah, I just looked on the chat and I saw that. I'm like, okay, I, I, got, I got it now. That's hilarious. Um, well, um, here, here's some questions uh, that I have. For example, I'm starting to do some XCs, and uh, you know, I want to explore a little bit more. And I'm worried about you know possi the possibility of the motor going out. Um, when you plan this, did you plan on just like taking off and going around certain areas? Were you planning on uh, taking off on one LZ and ending up someplace else. Uh, was there any ground support going on? And and how long have you been flying before you did this? So try and answer that backwards. I've been flying about five years. 
Um, I like to joke now and say, I don't think I actually really learned how to fly until the trip. I'm not the same pilot that I, that I was, and I've learned to fly in a way that I, I never thought I ever would. Um, so uh, in terms of, you know, the plan, the general plan was just to find a place that I could go and fly at. And, uh, you know, sometimes, yes, I kind of said, oh, well, particularly in the first two states, like I thought I'd go fly down with some friends down in Southern California, and then that didn't come together. And I ended up going to Rio Vista Airport, which I had, sorry, explained to you. Um, and I got to fly there, and I'd been meaning to fly there for a long time. Um, up in Nevada, I, 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 um, I find a tiny little airport pretty close to a friend of mine. Um, that, that I was able to go use. It was largely an unused airport. And then just stopped off at Wunenbacher and then with Jeremy Huff, we, we found this place on the edge of the road um, in, uh, where was it, Oregon, Southeast Oregon. Um, didn't realize I would get to fly under the Korean Bridge with uh, Sean Schumer and, and uh, Miles Dasher. It was just kind of like driving along and figuring it out as I went along. And that that honestly, when I first started planning, oh, you know, pick all the LZs and where I would fly from point A to point B and not knowing anybody, it was really a very daunting task. And I, you know, I did it 100% unsupported. Um, I took a spare engine and a spare frame and um, I didn't have all the spares that I, I actually did need. Um, but overall, it went, it went incredibly well. And um, so... I, that was part of the adventure, and, and was just figuring it out as I went along. Were you thinking about certain type of fuel? Did you bring a certain type of two-stroke oil? Um, uh, did you do a lot of research on um, you know fuel and oil and stuff before you went? I'm only asking this because there's been a lot of discussion about you know what's the best two-stroke oil and the uh, the fuel to use. So. What kind of fuel and two-stroke did you use throughout your 50-state adventure? Yeah, so I'm from California, right? So everything's got ethanol in it. Um, so I, you know, I, I went as standard as I could per um, what Federazzi were suggesting, which was model 710 and, um, you know, the highest um, octane that you can get. I typically buy branded fuel. My paramotor gets better fuel than my truck does, which costs <laughs> $70,000, you know, brand new, and it's not even, you know, a year and a half old now. Um, so I, I, I don't skip on fuel and oil for my paramotor. Um, I did, when I got to Wyoming, um, I was given some model 800, and um, I actually, I like the oil uh, a lot. I'm pretty happy with model, but the one thing I did notice um, at the in hotter temperatures, which here in California I get a lot of, my motor for whatever like likes to be a little bit richer, particularly near sea level. And the seventh, my motor runs just very slightly cooler. It's not like it's a huge difference, but uh, whereas in cold temperatures where you're and at altitude where I'm wanting to sort of uh, reduce my mix. The other thing is I don't mess with my screws as much as I used to. I tend to actually mix fuel specifically for the type of flying that I'm doing. And so at altitude uh, and uh, in colder temperatures, 
going to 66 or 67, I'm typically running closer to about 50 to 55 or 60, um, depending on the kind of flying that I'm doing uh, on the Model 800. So it's just, it's a choice. Um, I, I don't know where I'm going to land up. My, my motor's got uh, about 170 hours on it now. I'm going to, I'm almost out of my 800. I've got a fair amount of 700 left. So I'll probably run this engine out until I do the rebuild. And then I am inclined to stay on the 800 on the, on the rebuild just because I, I like the fact that it has a much higher uh, temperature or lower temperature before it, it will pop off. <coughs> um, a lot of other people talking to you like Sabre and, and a few of these others where you can ultimately thin your mix and, and Vitorazzi overall from what I, what I understand, I mean, I, I don't have the specs for it. But they're now suggesting anything from 60 to, eight, you know, as high as 80 to 1. Uh, you know, of course, when Tucker did Icarus, right, he, I think he did save it for that because he could carry very little oil. So I think if you're going to do a cross-country and you're trying to manage the weight of fuel that you're going to take with you and your access to fuel, you're probably going to make slightly different decisions. And, you know, with, with some other stuff, I'll talk about it if you guys ask, but I have some ideas of something I want to go do, and I, I am. Part of the planning that I'm doing is to what we can get um, under the various different conditions um, out of oils and fuels. Um, absolutely. Uh, tell us what you what you think, because, you know, I'm, I'm relatively new, about eight, nine months into this. Um, uh, I think that I've peaked over 125 hours so far. Uh, going to be going to a second SIV course. Uh, I, I really enjoy this a lot. Uh, the, the big thing, though, it really seems to be is fuel, mixtures, ratio, the uh, different types of two-strokes out there. So if you guys are watching and you're on the chat, um, I've seen that a couple people put on there. What kind of two-stroke do you prefer and what kind of gas do you use? But Harley, go ahead and tell us what, what you're going to talk about. Um, well, so I'm considering doing, you know, cross country, coast to coast, and it's a little more involved than just that, um, which I, I won't talk about. Um, but to be able to achieve that goal, um, you know, I'm looking at the the engine that I'm going to use, the frame that I'm going to use, um, and the wing that I'm going to use. Fuel is going to become a portion of that now. I'm planning to do it um, with a chase crew to, to be able to pull this off. Um, but all of those could arguably be factors, particularly if you're going to be flying, maybe taking off at sea level, but flying at quite a bit of altitude. And you know, I'll, I'll say this, I, I am not the expert. I know enough to be dangerous. And there are a lot of people out there that are worth talking to to get the right you know, perspective that you're looking for. And so, you know, I, in things I really don't know about, I'll ask a bunch of different people in the hope that, you know, I'll be able to pull the, the, the carrots out from each of those and decide what works out. But, you know, I think the general rule is high octane, um, you know, ethanol over a prolonged period of time if you can get it. Um, everyone I know that's gone to Avgas, um, I shouldn't say everyone, a large number of people I know that have gone to Avgas 
um, seem to be having problems or have had problems at one time or another. And that's not true for everybody, but um, you know, it's, it's the guys that maybe are not very mechanical or think they're very mechanical that tinker a lot. That, uh, I mean, that's why I blew up my first engine. It ran so well, I didn't want to take the carburetor off and clean it because everyone else I'd seen that they messed with it had a problem. So I'll end up blowing that engine up because I never cleaned the screen with my car. And you know, that, that results in a brand new engine. Uh, so uh, I, I, I kind of treat my engine more like, you know, it's a woman that I've got to know. You know what she likes and, and uh, don't change it up without her asking. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> okay then. <laughs> um, now, now we know that Never Trust a Skinny Chef, Shane, that's on our panel here, he runs Avgas all the time. I don't think that he's not run Avgas. So real quick, Shane, um, have you had any problems with your paramotor running Avgas um, 100%? Well, I've run 56 hours with Avgas. I just here recently pulled the cover off for the heads, for the head, and uh, I had a white paste I don't, I don't like a cakey paste, if you will, um, which come to find out, I'm not running my motor hard enough. I literally do not go past uh, 50 to 60% on almost my entire flight, other than takeoff. And what it is, is it's lead buildup that I'm not um, burning off. Um, and maybe some of the uh, red armor two-stroke that I'm using. But uh, I just now, um, this past weekend, I ran or I flew for four hours and purposely climbed for a minute full throttle several times during the flight, which I, don't, I think is abusing the motor, but apparently it's not. That's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to run two strokes hard and you're supposed to run them fast. So I don't know. I just, it's, it's something in my head that I think it's abusing it, which is, it's actual abuse when you don't run it full speed. Um, but I'm going to go another maybe five, six hours, and then I'm going to pull the head and see what they are, the head cover, and see what it looks like after I've run it like I've been told to run. What's your oil mix? Uh, 50 to 1. On, on what was the oil again? Uh, the red armor, uh, the Echo red armor. So, I mean, it'd be very be very interesting to see where you land up at the end, right? Um, right. I, you know, I, everyone I've been told, so when I fly altitude, like to go up to Mount Shasta, for example, you know, I was flying a tiny little wing for, for starters, which was not the right wing for it. But I was literally running at 8,000 RPM for two straight hours. And, you know, those motors are, from everything I've heard, they're designed to do that now. It's not usually my choice to be, you know, operating at 8,000 RPM, but much rather be operating at, you know, six and a half to seven and a half. But, um, and you can take it back, you know, pull everything off and take a look at it, and it, it looks perfect. So, you know, I, I want my engine to last. I don't want to burn it out at 150 hours. But uh, I guess if you run them hard all of the time, if better Aussie's calculations are correct, you're supposed to be able to run them flat out for 200 hours before needing to do anything. 
Wow. I think I'm going to try that. Well, that was totally... Don't say I said that, though. <laughs> I was saying it would be okay, and you would cover it under warranty, right? <laughs> I, I was actually sent 100 out half gas and 50 to 1 red armor, uh, and the, the heads were almost spotless, and the lower network is loud. Anyways... You just had a photo bomb. Was that your wife? Uh, yeah, I think so. I wasn't, I wasn't looking. I was looking at myself. Ever since I put this filter on, I was like, man, that's a good looking guy right there. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, yeah, um, I was sent the uh, photos. They were, I mean, the the heads were perfect. They were, they were clean. So I'm I'm new. I'm, I'm with Sean. I, I went to school and, and finished in November of last year. So anything that I can learn, like right now I've have I have a little uh, carb I, I guess I'm guess I'm, I'm guessing it's carb issues. I'm flying at normal altitude and maintaining it and I'm getting this little and it just does that the anytime I'm staying at the same altitude or the same uh, RPMs at mid range. So I'm guessing it's some kind of carb issue, if you will. I don't know. Yeah, it, it's so tough to know, right? Because a lot of people out there seem to be experts. I, I have to admit, I I decided to run my Vitarazi exactly the way they said it should be run. And so I I don't run problems, right? They they As far as I know, they don't recommend or, or ask people to use Abgas. And it's... Almost always, it's not even the motor, it's, it's carburetors. And I saw it with HE engines too, where, you know, the cogs were just a little bit fussy. And if you didn't do things exactly right, um, you know, it could be, you know, of course, you'll go through your warranties. If, you know, I know a couple guys that have said, oh, well, you know, change the, uh, was it the high end just very slightly, and it's like an eight turn, and everything runs amazing. But, I think it's a choice that so sorry. Uh, is, is that a pair in the no, background or is that a boat? <laughs> uh, hey, I, it's tough and you know I I worked on a lot of two strokes when I was in, in high school and into college but uh, I didn't work on anything for you know 20 years and then came back and I've had to learn with my paramotor and I've just I make very, very small adjustments and then try it out. If it doesn't work, I go back to where it was and then try and figure out what my next choice is. Um, there, there are some guys, uh, I know not everyone is a fan uh, uh, of some companies, but there's one guy that I know that knows carburetors in and out. That's Mike Gambrel. He works at Blackhawk. And he's the only guy I know that actually knows how carburetors he, he can you describe it to him exactly and maybe you should tell you what you're going to do since you've been flying in so many different states and you've been flying for so long um in your opinion what type of gas and oil would be the best to use just in general <laughs> i mean know, i mean i, I mean try and be pretty uh 
maybe I should try and get Shell or Chevron to sponsor me or something. <laughs> like um, I, I, as I said earlier, I, I like using branded fuel for the paramotors. So um, I, I've stayed away from BP because of Macondo, but their fuels are good. So it's it's like 76 Shell or Chevron are the three brands that I typically buy and I'm using the model because that's what Fedorazzi said. And I get you know, the highest um, you know, octane that I can get. Um, and then I'll, I'll mix my fuel predominantly for what altitude that I'm going to fly. So I just, I'll lean it off. I mean, kind of just eyeballing what it is. Like if I, if I'm going to mix, you know, say 60 on 800, maybe I'll lean it off to 67 for, uh, an altitude flight or if I'm flying at 710, uh, if I'm flying in super hot weather and I'm low to the ground, I might go down to 45 on my mix uh, with those same fuels. So um, I'm not sure it's the smartest thing, and obviously I'm going to get more build up doing those things, but I don't have to change the screws, and that means I'm less likely to cause a problem with my carburetor. Um, just because we have a lot of new people that uh, may or may not have have flown already that are listening to this um, real quick. What is leaning out your fuel mean? It's who you talk to. <laughs> right. It's a, it's a trick question, right? No, it's, 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 it's in your opinion, you know, uh, with your experience, what is leaning out your, your fuel mean? So I've always gone down the mindset that I'm leaning my fuel off if I reduce the amount of oil. Mm -hmm. yes. Okay, but there are other mindsets that say it's the other way around, so. Yeah, rich is thicker in oil, leaner is less in oil, less oil for gas, is my impression. I know, I... Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh -oh. <laughs> okay. That doesn't make any sense to me. I'm fiber, I mean, if a person was lean when it came to body fat, do they have a lot of fat or a little fat? With the oil, it has to do with fuel. Richening and is the needle setting. You know, that's adding, it's a in your ratio of air to fuel, not your ratio of oil to fuel to air. Yeah, I, I think a mechanic probably describes it more accurately than, than I do. <laughs> You know, so I, I usually say I, I reduce the amount of oil that I stick in <laughs> my fuel. That's my my way of you know, I guess leaning the oil off. <laughs> but the the only way to do that in a two stroke where you mix the oil and gas is to change the fuel to oil ratio, right? That that yeah, that's typically it. I mean, sure I can smooth my needle a little bit, but. I, you know, it's one of the weird things with my specific motor is if I try and lean off and I lean the, the needle off too much, uh, it, I, it won't necessarily improve my idle problem at, at all, which is usually at altitude that's the issue. Uh, and so often I've found a lot of time where I'm, I'm actually, you know, turning the screws, you know, further to technically richen it up a bit. And you know, it, it's quite a lot more than I, I would have thought, which is why I, I experimented with, with changing my, my you know, 
oil to, to, to gas ratio because that that seemed to be more reliable than the group. And now, honestly, if I if I go fly at six thousand feet or if I go fly at zero thousand feet, um, you, you know, I, maybe I have to increase my idle just a little. But I'm finding now I don't even have to change my idle that much between those two different altitudes. I'm getting what I'm expecting. So I think whatever I'm doing is working for me. It doesn't mean it's going to work for everybody else. And also, too, you know, I wasn't trying to, you know, uh, uh, single you out, but a lot of paramotor people, you know, talk about, you know, air fuel and uh, fuel and oil mixtures and say lean and rich. And, um, you know, I, we can go and look up the definition, but a lot of paramotor pilots say different things, pretty much like you said, you know, you lean out the oil to make it more lean. Which makes sense, you know. I, you know, I'm going to go out on a limb here because it, it's something that you know, I try not to be that controversial, at least in the paramotor world. Everywhere else, apparently, I am. But um, you know, if if you're going to fly like a competition pilot or be like Matt Minier, who you know flies some extraordinary maneuvers and he's high and he's low and I mean, I've watched Matt fly, and I feel like he's got that motor, that motor flat out all the time. That's how he flies, um, and he's an amazing pilot, right? So if you're going to fly with the throttle wide open all of the time, and you're going to ride it like a race car, maybe you want to tune around for that. If you're going to drive like a grandma like I did forever, where, you know, you never really push the throttle up half six and a half thousand and you do it up and your prime rates are nice and slow. And the motor does what it's supposed to do without tinkering and, and trying to, you know, tune it to do a certain thing, then probably go with what the manufacturer says and just, you know, let it run. Mm -hmm. um, hopefully if you're gonna tinker with it, you're looking to get some performance out of it that it won't do under reasonable circumstances. I think you know, I when I started to have problems where, you know, the paramotor wouldn't idle and it started to um, um, be difficult to start, it was largely because I had kept my fuel mix much, you know, my oil to fuel ratio, I, I kept a lot more oil than I was supposed to. I think I was still doing 40 to 1, way longer than I was supposed to, according to the manufacturer. Mm -hmm. The moment I just went to the manufacturer's setting of, you know, X amount of fuel and oil, uh, it worked out. So, you know, if you don't have to tinker, why do it? And most of us are just flying for fun, right? We're trying to maybe do a short cross country. Maybe it's 20, 30, 50 or 100 miles. Um, and if you, you know, if you've got a wing, you're not flying a, you know, a super small wing and you're just trying to cruise and, get from point A to point B and have some fun and enjoy the view, you know, let, let the motor do what it's supposed to do at, at, at whatever the default settings are. I, I totally agree. Um, you know, the, the leaning and uh, rich and all that stuff has always been kind of, you know, outside my scope. And I've rebuilt my uh, engine a couple of times. Um, but when it comes to the carburetor, I always go to the default setting on the carburetor, uh, setting it to where it needs to be set. And the only thing I do different, like you said, 
is leaning out my my oil to my my gas ratio and that's the only thing i've ever done and it seems like the takeaway here is unless you know how to use a carburetor and and actually tune it correctly uh stay away from that and just change out your oil and fuel mixture if you want to tune it talk to your what talk to your instructor talk to someone that rebuilds carburetors uh you know uh, all the time um but if you're having some problems you know i, mean, I would talk to like someone who's been through the literazi carburetor class that actually knows unless they're a, someone who's worked on a lot of carburetors right and, um you know yeah th this is a testament to to going with the defaults when i at my 110 hours i decided that i was going to do the you know the service that's supposed to be in which in the case of the carburetors is just a case of replacing the diaphragms mm -hmm. right? the diaphragms and the um i don't know the other uh pieces of paper that go in there right? so it doesn't leave. the, the um, reeds and literally i very very carefully and meticulously pulled it all apart and put in the new diaphragm closed it up put it back in the engine everyone we saw those videos like we cleaned the carbon off the top of the head and off the, the piston and i put it all together squeezed a little bit of fuel and it fired up first of all and idle and you know <laughs> there's a lot to be said for that piece of mind versus you putting together and you're pulling and you're pulling and you're pulling and the damn thing won't start you don't know if it's because you don't have fuel because you screwed up Right. For me personally, I was like, "Whoa, it's breaking!" <laughs> so, how many times? How many times have you rebuilt your motor, or how much? How much repairs did you have to do on your trip? Um, so I literally did the hundred hour, and I think it was close to one hundred and ten hours, maybe one hundred and eight hours, and something I guess the first chance that I get, and. Um, I, when I broke the, I don't know, when I changed the second exhaust, the other thing I did with that was I changed out the engine mounts and the exhaust mounts. And that's all I've had to do, and I'm up to, I think, 175, maybe 176 hours right now. So, virtually no maintenance. You know, I, I do look at the, the, if I do a hard flight and I come in and land, I'll take a look at my spark plug and make sure that you know my burn rate's good um i tend to always look at it about every three or four flights you know and particularly if i'm changing altitude or doing different things then i want to look at the, at the spark plug and that's usually the telltale as to whether i'm you know i'm creating a problem or whether i can avoid a problem and so i i love this this motor it's been absolutely amazing um isn't paying me to say that, um, but it's been, you know, I'm touching wood. I hope I'm not about to go jinx myself. But How about uh, your exhaust, Harley? Huh? Yeah, so. <laughs> uh, have you had any exhaust issues? Yeah. I wasn't sure. I asked yeah. myself just because I recently just had the, the uh, you know, notorious uh, crack, yeah. right, you know. Okay, so here's, here's, here's what I know and, and what my experiences are. Um, 
I broke my first exhaust at 70 hours um, at the Grand Canyon flying extremely cold weather. And all I did was start it, and while it was idling to warm up, that exhaust crashed, cracked, cracked, cracked. Wow. And, um, you know, I'm going to blame cold temperatures for that. And ironically enough for me, on my second one, which was in Pennsylvania, it was also a super cold morning. And I had, I was about an hour or so into the flight when that exhaust, I could hear it starting to go. And then finally it went, um, and you know, I had a long, scary flight back to the LZ. But, um, so those were my experiences. Um, the second one broke, I think, at 50 hours and not 70. So um, that, that kind of sucked. I'm onto my third exhaust. Uh, and this third exhaust actually came from the same batch of engines. So one of the things I'm told, I don't know if it's true or accurate, was that in late 2018, when Federazzi first put out the MY 2019, uh, allegedly there was a batch of steel and a batch of exhaust that came out in like a one-month block of time where there were more problems reported with those exhausts cracking and breaking than there were with any others. And in fact, a lot of guys were saying that they hadn't had any problems for a long time with that 2019 exhaust. I think we can all agree that, you know, the design maybe didn't work as well as Federazzi had hoped. And ultimately the 2020 exhaust that's come out, everyone that I've talked to that's been running it, Matt Midia has been running it for a while, and you know, no one's had any problems with it at all. So I think I'm up to, I want to say 30 or 40 hours on this one. It came off, I bought these two engines at the same time, so they're from the same So if I break it at 70 hours, I know at least then that batch of engines that came out with those exhausts at that period of time had the same problem. And make no mistake, you know, I will ask Vitarazzi to, to, even though it's well out of warranty, I'll ask them to, to take care of me because, you know, I, I think it's clear that they're trying to do their whole exhaust thing behind them. And certainly from what I've been hearing is from the 2020 exhaust, it looks like Vitarazzi can put that chapter behind them. And if the engine stays as reliable and the carburetor stays as reliable, uh, I don't, I mean, there are other great engines out there, but this is a wonder in my mind. For people that run two-stroke motors, like um, cross, you know, uh, using motorcycles and stuff, they have these things right here that they put in their uh, tailpipe, their their muffler. Um, it's uh, so they can, you know, wash it off and stuff like that, not get anything in their muffler. Also, too, these things are good to keep moisture out. Like if you have. Um, uh, dew or just humidity in, in general, it can get into that muffler and start rusting in there. With this plug or this type of plug in your muffler, you know, when you're not flying, this has actually saved a lot of mufflers. Matter of fact, I've been using something like this in my muffler since I got my motor. And um, I'm hoping, cross my fingers, that I don't have anything that will, uh, you know, rust out or, or happen. Does anybody else you're use something like this? What's that? You're not flying enough if you need that. <laughs> so, so, Sean, how many times have you started your engine 
with that plug in the muffler. <laughs> About the same amount of times as I, as I forgot to put my helmet on. None. None. <laughs> Remove. Yeah, but, that's uh, why we have a pre-flight checklist, right? Exactly, exactly. Yeah. So I was just wondering, does anybody else use something like this? And uh, no, I fly a lot. I, I fly um, most mornings and most evenings, uh, every single chance that I get. And if I put on, if I don't put on 20 hours a week, I'd be surprised. But so does anybody else use something like this in their mouthboard? <clears throat> I actually made something similar myself, Sean, but I use it on the intake side. Um, I guess I never really thought about putting it on the exhaust side, but I think, uh, Maybe the best case scenario would be to seal it on both sides to really protect it. Uh, my my fear was uh, insects or rodents getting into my air filter housing and maybe eating foam and stuff like that. That's what I was trying to protect. And um, I think you bring up a good point too in protecting uh, condensation and water from getting into the exhaust side. Really, you don't want anything in there, you know. So and I don't know. There there was a couple of uh, questions. In in the chat earlier, uh, Paramount Crazy, he wants to know what kind of uh, uh, oil uh, mix that uh, Linda uses. And uh, <laughs> that Linda uses. And then Wayne, Wayne asked if anybody else flies a uh, Black Hawk 90. 90 or 190? It says Black Hawk 90. The old Banshee? I don't know if anyone that still flies the Banshee. It's an old, probably the 190. Yeah, I flew uh, with the guy last night, actually. He had a Black Hawk 190. Yeah. I forget what the actual engine was uh, called, but he said they don't really uh, carry them anymore. Um, yeah, they just they discontinued the Talon 190, which is yeah. made by HE. And yeah, HE. That's what it was. Yeah, so they... Blackhawk terminated that relationship with HE, I believe, like, I don't know, maybe November or December last year. Um, but so they primarily are selling Corsair with the Black Bull and the Black Bead. And forget there's one other in the range there that they've been selling. And of course, they sell Vitarazzi. But HE, I don't know anyone who's selling HE anymore. Yeah, in response to the question, it uh, it ran well. Um, he he seemed to really like it. Uh, he had nothing but good things to say about Blackhawk and uh, their service. Um, he he seemed almost embarrassed to tell me that he had a Blackhawk, and I was like, dude, like I feel like Blackhawk kind of has a bad rep, you know. But everyone I've ever talked to says uh, Mike and Mike they take care of their customers so well, and anyone who's ever called in uh, for service that they get, you know, taken care of right away, great technical support, you know, everything's, you know, done here in the States, and uh, I don't know, I, I don't have anything to say about that about Blackhawk, right? I mean, what of you guys know that I'm flying a Blackhawk frame with the with the, with the Razi, right? And I was probably, if not the first, one of the first Blackhawk customers to be flying with the Razi, Really? Yeah. So at, at the time, um, you know, I, I wanted the Vitarazzi engine, but I also wanted to keep my Blackhawk frame. And so, so Mike agreed to, to do that for me. And of course, then he'd been selling those. Um, and, you know, I think it was at 
other decision, but I think it was right about the same time that they were looking to discontinue AT. Um, the, the, the reason, you know, just this is my two cents, and, and, you know, I think there are people who have done business with BlackRock over the years and used to be BlackRock dealers that don't anymore, and sometimes those individuals are the harshest critics um, for whatever reason, right? Um, and so I think, you know, my trend, you know, there's definitely an East Coast, West Coast thing where um, along the East Coast, certain people tend to want to buy more ozone over Dudak, for example. But here on the West Coast, people like Dudak. Um, I, it boils down to the same thing that's always been the case, which is that, you know, people like what they got trained on and they tend to, you know, do or die with those the cars come home and you know those you know if you learn on blackhawk you're going to like blackhawk and the service i i've been a good blackhawk customer because mike and mike have always taken care of me and i've had service from them like nobody you know um i've been very lucky i've had great service from, from some other people for some other things that i've needed um i, I think you've just got to you're either a Ford fan or a GM fan or, or a Ram fan. You, you pick your poison and and um, you know you support them. But I, hopefully, we'll see less and less of this beating up of the different brands and the different sellers because we still see way too much of that. Whether they deserve it or not is, is immaterial. We just we don't need it online, and we shouldn't do it. Yeah. Yeah. more. So, so Harley, you've flown fifty states now. You got your name in a Guinness. Book of World Records. What was the one mo one moment that you'll never forget? It might be the scariest moment or the most fun moment. What's the one thing of the whole trip? If you can come up with just one, what would it be? Uh, the most memorable moment of Fifty States. Wow, that that's that's really tough. Um, when he flew through Arkansas and I saw him on the news. <laughs> um, There's some beautiful places out there. I've, I've been to about 30 something, about 35 of the lower 48. And I've just seen the tip of the iceberg. So I can only imagine. But I'm sure you, you, you've got a good story. Um, yeah, I mean, I would love it if we could do a documentary on the backstory, right? All the things that I felt and saw and did on behind the scenes. Uh, wow. I, I I, mean, it was a bit of an emotional roller coaster at different times. It's definitely, you know, some of my own personal behind the scenes story that, that was good and bad. But uh, the flying, I, I, you know what? It wasn't the best flight that I had, but it's certainly something that I'm going to take away for a while, which was that, you know, flying around Mount Rushmore was pretty damn cool because it took, yeah. took a lot of planning. It was a very risky choice to go do that, and it was not an easy flight. And I got lucky with the weather and everything else coming together and the two guys that, that tried to get off the ground and go do it with me. And it just, it worked out, and it could have not worked out just as easy as it did. Um, so, I, you know, that's definitely one that's high up there. 
flying to the glacier Sedona, being allowed to fly out of Grand Canyon. That's not something any one of us, I don't even think they'd let me do it again. Um, so there's just so many different things in different places that I did that are so memorable. I, I really hate to choose one because it's, it's just that tough. Um, and obviously, the number one thing was just meeting other pilots every step of the way. That, that by far was the highlight. I, I know that you had to get a, a permit or special clearance to fly in the Grand Canyon. Uh, what other places required special permission? Um, Washington, D.C. <laughs> oh, you need to try to land on a south lawn with your gyrocopter? <laughs> yeah, I, so I, I did actually, I, so this is probably the first time I've mentioned this, so maybe it's a good story, but I did actually take the separate test. So there's an online course that you can take to be allowed to fly through the Sephora and get anywhere near, um, you know, inside of, you know, the area. Um, so I, I, I did actually send an application off to the FAA, um, which of course was very promptly denied. Um, but it did give me some information and basically it all down to two things, which I'm not sure I should say on the air, but I know how to go do it. And if, if the right opportunity at the right time shows up and I can find the two right people that I need, uh, I would love the opportunity to go do it. But it's not a small undertaking. It's not easy. And you better have your ducks in a row. That, that's interesting. Ducks in a row. Yeah. Another question. I got another question from the, the chat. JP, what do you drink in there out of that straw? <laughs> <laughs> Tommy, Tommy keeps disappearing. It's like heads going down. If I turn off my chat, my dog's attacking me. He thinks it's playing. <laughs> the question what oil do you use what mixture <laughs> wait uh, Lin hey. linda's a pilot no no she's talking yeah. about her cooking yeah, oil my, yeah in my mind yeah yeah um harley i wanted to ask you yes, Mr. <laughs> was there any point like obviously we all love flying like it's the greatest thing in the world that's why we're all here was there any point in the trip, though, where you got a little bit burnt out? Like, there has to be. Like, that's a lot of flying, and that's a, you know. Yeah, I never really got burned out on the flying. Um, there would definitely be, you know, some emotional sort of low points, right? Um, I, I won't forget when, you know, I, I, I put everything in storage. I moved out of the apartment that I was running. And I moved into this camper, and I went and parked at a New Jerusalem airport near Tracy in California. And I was there alone, brutally hot out, nowhere. And I went, oh, what the hell have I done? Because it really was the scariest moment where I'm like, I've changed my entire life to go do this trip. Uh -huh. And 
um, that 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 was right as I was kicking off. It was you know it was kind of like the dry run you know two days before I left for Hawaii to go get the bike. Um, so I, you know I I really didn't get burned out burned out on the climb because if you think about it, I did 1.6 states per week. That's what I averaged out. Of. Wow. And so my general cycle was like. You know, drive one day, get to a location, then spend a day or two sometimes waiting for weather and planning and talking to some people. Um, maybe do a day, sometimes two days of flying, and then updating all the social media and editing with videos, and then do it again. And so I actually got into a pretty good rhythm um, where that, that's how it ran. Typically, three to four days in each location, sometimes maybe five or six days where I would take time off. Uh, I remember in Wyoming, you know, just hanging out with, with, with Ray and, you know, going out to the oil fields with him and, you know, just taking a couple of days and trying to race the speed goats and stuff like that. Um, so I, I was able to balance it off. It wasn't trying to fly every single day and cover a huge amount of mileage. That's a whole different ballgame. Now, you said that you were planning on doing another cross-country, uh, more like the Icarus across the United States. Uh, where are you starting? What states are you crossing? And where are you finishing? All right. So I'm going to go on a limb here, because if I don't do this, people are going to laugh at me. Uh, so uh, I, I don't know if everyone knows him, but uh, uh, Jean-Francois Chabot, uh, him, Matt Minion, and a couple of other guys. I hope they've got all the names correct there. Um, pretty much, you know, did that, um, you know, fly the Paramoto the Americas, right? And so, um, at the very least, I know that uh, Jean-Francois flew pretty much along the whole southern coastline with the missing out of one very small section. So my goal with this next cross country, of course, now that I'm putting it out, someone, someone like, uh, oh goodness, Bo Feldman might just kick my butt on it and go do it, prove he can do it quicker. Um, the goal is to fly from literally coast to coast, leave the water in San Diego, and fly all the way to Jacksonville to get the coastline there. And, you know, it, it's, you know, 2,400 to 3,000 miles. And I'd like to do it as a speed record. How fast can it be done? Um, and do it from a speed record, from a, a, a two-way two perspective. One is to do it in the shortest number of days possible. And then the second one would, of course, be the shortest total amount of time in the air to actually pull it off. Because I think that's actually a, a pretty substantial race um, that... Arguably, if the sport grows and we can find a way to do that safely, it, it could be another way to sort of plan an Icarus in a different way. So that, that's what I'm hoping to do. I'm, I'm chatting to some people. I'm trying to get as much advice that I can in terms of when to do it, how to do it. Um, and there's, there's some very clear ideas to do it where um, if I'm going to pull it off, you need weather in your favor, you need right equipment to do it and there's there's a fair amount of risk involved so 
So when you fly across the uh, United States, I think, well, here's my suggestion, is that you let everyone know where you're taking off, where you're going, and where you're landing every day, and let other people, you know, kind of uh, fly with you, you know, so maybe you might have a, a whole group of people uh, uh, following you on your adventure across the United States in different states. I know now, I know I would love to be able to... Um, Go fly with you, the legend. I think that'd be awesome. The legend holding on. I'd pay to do that. I would donate $800 for that. There you go. Donate to fly with you. There we go. Donate to fly with you. Uh, uh -oh, there we go. Donate to fly with you. I would do it for sure. Absolutely. I think a lot of people would. Well, that, that's very cool. And that's very humbling. You guys are so kind. I, I, I've seen. Uh, Sean, I've, I've seen you, the number of followers you have. I think you, you might still be more famous than I am. Yeah. I'm, I'm not famous for uh, for paramotors. Yeah, good time. You know, when you guys showed that Tucker got um, uh, snippet there, you know, what, what nobody saw was that um, my landing was really bad. Um, the, weather, the weather was was not great. And then, you know, as I came in to land, um, Tucker had landed just before me, and we were sort of, the wind was coming in between the hangars and um, that uh, medical helicopter was right there. So Tucker had landed on the grass, and a couple people were standing on the grass, and I overshot the grass. And if you see the video, I'm literally, I'm pumping up and down, I'm overcorrecting on that cubic, which I, you know, I'd never flown before. Um, but I came in and I landed sideways and I sort of was trying to stay on my feet and then did a 180 and toppled over on the side. And fortunately the glider didn't land 
anywhere near the, the helicopter, but it was a very embarrassing moment for me. <laughs> you know, fly, fly with a legend like Tucker and screw up the land pretty good. I have a two-part question. I know you, you know, you've flown a lot of states, and most of the time you try to fly some, somebody to fly with, but surely some of these times you were going by yourself in a remote-type location. So have you ever been flying during this 50 states trip by yourself at an engine out? And just a secondary question on that is, do you carry something like a spot, a personal satellite GPS tracker for an emergency situation? Yeah, so virtually all of the flying that I was doing, um, typically, you know, I wasn't that far from being able to get help, right? The worst I was going to do is have a, you know, a walk some distance to get to a highway. So um, I always carry my cell phone, and most commonly that's the, the technology that I rely on if I'm trying to, you know, be able to call somebody. I happen to fly a lot by myself, um, but I always try and make sure that I'm taking the precaution that you know I can get somewhere where I can flag down somebody. Um, obviously, this cross country or coast to coast, as I'm calling it, um, that's going to require a lot more technology um, because I'm probably going to be flying in some pretty remote places where if I go down, um, it's not going to be. Have you thought about starting a cross-country school to teach paramotor pilots how to uh, do something like this? I, I haven't considered. It's, a, it's an interesting thought. Um, I, I don't know that that I necessarily have the experience to, to teach cross-country. Right? I mean, what is your hour mark, Carly? Um, I don't you know. have to take, uh, you know, educate, educating guests. Yeah, it's it's well over 500 hours now. Wow. Um, and flight-wise, I think I'm closing on seven or eight hundred now. So, you know, I think when I started the trip, I was closer to I don't know, 350 or something like that. Um, you know, I think the stats on the number of flights and hours that I did were more on the the PPX website, but I think 180 locations. 180 flights was the total, I think, we'll edge up in, in about 80 hours of flying, I think, or 80, 85 locations or something. But wow. Most of your flights are pretty long, then. You have uh, more flights than you do. Here. Yeah, I, I, I typically, especially early on, I tended to not do a lot of short flights. I mean, huh. so, um, you know, I'm obviously not counting touch and goes and you know training flights and all that right. kind of stuff. So these these are just a sort of a, a general hour count that I, I keep track of. Mm -hmm. and it is it is interesting that the more you fly, the less you track your your yeah. flights. Yeah. And your, well, you know, and your I've hours. I've been scuba diving for 20 years, and you know I think once I got to a thousand dives and years I, I just I stopped really keeping track yeah. could could just sit here and watch your uh, your videos all day long and 
questions. I, I think that's what we've done. Um, I know that we've been talking for a while. If you need to go, absolutely. We appreciate your time. Uh, we appreciate your insight and uh, definitely can't wait until you cross the, the Arkansas borders again, because I would definitely like to, to fly with you. I missed this last time, uh, but I did see you on the news, which was really cool. And even cooler now that I can actually chat with you on, uh, on this podcast. I mean, uh, the, the, you're the only person I know that actually hit all 50 states. Is there anybody else that you know that hit 50 states? I know that I'm the first person, uh, and I did my due diligence to go check that. So, therefore, that's why I was able to set it as a world record. Uh, obviously, Guinness still needs to verify that and eventually decide to publish it. Um, but, you know, right now, I think there's at least one fact but the people trying to Did you use like Skyfly High or something like that to track your uh, stuff to, to use this verification? Um, I, I wish I had done that every single flight. Um, I didn't feel that it was necessary because obviously the witness statements that I have from everybody, and the video and the, the photographs and so on were geotagged. And because I wasn't trying to set a distance or a time record, um, that wasn't necessarily the case. I mean, ultimately, it is a time record because it's how long it took me to do the whole trip with you know, seven, seven months and two days. Um, but, you know, each flight only needed to you know, last 15 minutes to make that time. So it's really about how long it took to actually complete that trip versus um, you know, a certain amount of time in the year. So that would have been helpful and certainly you know, Fly Sky High is something I would use um, as a minimum for tracking, you know, a coast to coast, which uh, would have to have very, very accurate and maybe even get one or two people assigned 
on the ground and we we'll, we'll verify that every step of the way. And we get someone at Guinness to do this. It's kind of expensive. And they may define rules that we would have to follow anyway to get that recognized by Guinness. Um, trying to get any of the other organizations to, like FAI, um, that, that was proving to be much more difficult. They only certify certain kinds of, of records. Well, since you've done this already and you've already gone through uh, 50 states, I don't think it'd be very difficult for you to find pilots in every single state to uh, to verify you flying through the state, especially if they jump up in the air and, and you know, do a wingtip bump with you. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not particularly concerned, um, you know, so I, I think it's just a, a time to wait for them to do their work. and. My expectation is it can take Guinness a year even before they recognize it and then before it gets published. So I'm hopeful that, you know, that happens. Um, you know, right now I'm just focusing on salvaging what's left of my business. Um, COVID is definitely making that challenging. Um, I guess I'll share one other small piece of news and one of the reasons I'm here at this airport is um, I, um, I'm currently working on my PPL. So one of the things, you know, I've, I've thought about flight my whole life, didn't think I could really afford to fly. And I, I just realized through this whole trip, it's only money. I'm going to run out at some point. And um, so I, I started ground school. I'm trying to find an aircraft that I can buy. And I have a CMI. And so I'm hoping in the next two to three months I'll be through have my private pilot's license, which will open up all kinds of new doors. And, um, you know, after that, I, I think I can focus on trying to do the, the coast to coast and really start pushing to do all the things that I'm going to need. I have a laundry list of things, basic things that I think I need, and it's going to cost a certain amount of money, and I'm going to figure out you know, how I pay for that or whether the people who would like to help me do that. Well, it's interesting that you said that I got some friends that actually bought a, uh, uh, an airplane so they can take their paramotors to different places and go fly. Exactly. <laughs> so it, it sounds like uh, you're doing what a lot of other people are going to be doing or are doing. And that's uh, getting a, oh, I love that uh, shot of, of Mount they Rushmore. They actually let you fly Mount Rushmore? Like that is beautiful. Wow. So, so you can't fly over it unless you're 2,000 feet above it. I think this you look pretty darn close. Uh, uh, well, I made absolutely sure that I was outside the boundary that they have. So if you look at the charts, you'll see that there's a yeah. blue square box around it. And you'll see that I did cross the road, which is where that boundary box stands. So I made 100% sure that I was 100% legal. That is beautiful. The other, the other cool thing, too, was that um, during COVID, right, there's nobody around. Very few visitors there. It's early in the morning, and so you know, having having people raise concerns, you know, didn't happen because I chose yeah. a very time to do that. But right. I don't recommend going there unless you really know what you're planning. I know where I would launch from now. That's differently, assuming I could get permission to go to it. Um, and the big thing there is if if you have an out. Got to make sure you've got altitude to get to somewhere. And um, if the weather is, even, even if it had been two or three miles an hour hotter, um, 
all that air coming over the mountains there. There's another peak that's actually slightly higher to the, I want to say to the west, and that creates a lot of turbulence as you try and come up over there. So not an easy place to go. If you ever want to go Devil's Tower, by the way, and I, I'm, I'm embarrassed, I don't remember his name, but I had a couple of exchanges with him. You can actually go fly with a guy that holds a fly in there in July each year in strongly recommending that you want to do that. Um, the weather in Wyoming can be, you know, pretty crazy sometimes as you see. Um, but it's a great group of guys that can fly devil's power there and they have, they do all the necessary things to make it easier to get to fly pretty close to that thing. So, um, and, and avoid upsetting the, the, the reservation, not a reservation, but the religious aspects that are so I saw that you flew over Mount Rushmore. Are there any other national monuments or national parks that you were able to fly over? I think you said he was going to the Grand Canyon. But yeah, I, I got to the edge of the Grand Canyon, not technically. Go in it, obviously. Nobody can fly over the Grand Canyon, not even commercial aircraft, because of, I think, 1976 commercial airline. Yeah. Uh, crash on it so can't actually you can fly to the edge of it and i've heard of some other guys who have launch sites that are outside of the national park that allow them to get pretty much to the boundary um i was just very fortunate enough that I, I got the approval to take off from the airport which is a class b airport um and it also was at a time at the grand canyon where there was no traffic once again, um, this was right before COVID, but it was the middle of winter, and that created an opportunity that I don't think was always there. Interesting. Well, it's rolling on 8.30 here, and we don't want to hold you up if you're, you know, needing to do something. Uh, for people that uh, uh, don't know where to go, uh, tell them your website, how to get up with you on your social media, Facebook, Instagram, all that fun stuff. Um, so the website's 50xchallenge.info, um, and of course I'm on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Um, you can literally any of those domains slash 50xchallenge, and you'll get to me. I definitely try and post mostly on Instagram and uh, Facebook, and I'm still trying to put out some other videos. Um, I flew Mount Shasta, which of course is um, nearly 14,000 feet to get to the summit. That was an amazing flight. If you haven't seen that video, you should definitely go do it. And um, I'm looking for the next adventure. So, you know, I can be tucked into almost anything these days. That sounds awesome. Um, for, for everyone else, is there, was there any other questions? I think my Uh, um, oh, she's probably because I'm screen sharing. So I I have no way to be. I'm happy to stay on as long as you guys like. Yeah. 
Is there any uh, questions from the chat or anything? Anybody have any questions for Harley? I, I do have a question. I mean, you've been, as, long, as long as you've been flying, as much as you've been flying, what wing would you, you know, what's your one wing that you're going to? I'm sorry, you cut out on my end, I think. If you had to pick one wing, what would it be? Oh, that's, you can't pick one wing. I think if you follow... You can have one wing for the rest of your life. Which wing? For every condition. Red. <laughs> Red. Red. I like that. That wasn't necessarily the question. I understand you have different tools in your bag for what, you know, what job you're doing, but... What's the one you find yourself going to the most? What's the one that you enjoy flying the most right now? Oh, goodness. I, if I'm honest, I would go back to a slightly bigger wing, uh, maybe a 22. Um, I, How much do you weigh? Yeah. Um, I weigh a buck 80 right now. Okay. Uh, now, of course, just saying going to a bigger wing and so it's like you can fly a 63 ride, for example, and weigh, I don't know, 200 pounds or something crazy like that. It just, the characteristics of that glider make it incredibly good. I think it really just depends what kind of flying you want to do. Um, I really love my snake. Um, if it's a uh, yeah. mile an hour wind, um, and um, I'm not at 6,000 feet, um, I love flying that wing because it's something I've got used to and I've flown it all over the place in all kinds of conditions. The one thing I really do like about the Dudek, um, particularly the snake, is that it's safe. I haven't had a single collapse, not once, and I've flown some pretty funky weather. So I, I think it's a testament to that wing. Um, I'm a big fan of ozone wings. Um, I like the BGDP. I think you would just pick something that works for the typical kind of flying that you're doing. I'm a big fan of the gym carb. I think it's an awesome thing. I like the free ride. And, um, you know, I, I just, I, I need a bigger wing if you're going to fly altitude. So if I went to maybe a 20 or a 22 snake, um, I could probably fly it almost anywhere. Um, I don't know if it's the right wing for trying to do a cross country you know, from one side of the country to the other, um, it, it's fast, it's stable, um, but it's sporty. You've got to actively fly it. So, I, there are times when I want to make that I don't have to actively fly quite so hard. I'm just trying to have a nice, fun, relaxed day. Um, and, and, and particularly if the weather is not ideal. But I like I like the way that got worked out. Um, you know, the walk came up very, very quickly for me. I'm just a little too slow for that walk. Um, it's a hell of a wing to fly. I love flying it, uh, but it, it comes up like a rocket. Like something, it just comes up fractions. Richard in the chat wants to know, where did you fly in Montana? Um, Montana, I went up, I hung out with uh, Team Fly Halo, um, and to remember the so on, on the 50x challenge if you go to like the road trip there is actually a map of all the locations that i flew um and um so i suppose i should look it up if somebody else can look 
you know, whatever it takes to help resurgence. But I have a new pair of boots now. We'll see if we can, you know, make them, you know, develop their own experience over a long period of time. So Just, uh, real quick, I on a whim, I did a YouTube search for Harley Millman. You've got quite the resume, my friend. You've been on uh, Robert Michaels' podcast uh, twice. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Okay, yeah, we have uh, Robert Michaels' mother here on the panel with us. Linda Anderson. So, um, I think I'm excited about Thursday show. Oh yeah, we love our Thursday show. Big shout out to Michael. I'm very privileged that that everyone you know has you know afforded me so many opportunities to to be on the shows. And I really do appreciate you guys. It's I've been very very blessed through it all. It's exciting. I, you know, I forget sometimes with, you know, sort of being back here, trying to deal with, you know, all the challenges that, that, that I've had to sort of take care of since I got back. But talking to you guys, it's, it's almost making me excited where I'm like, okay, I, I don't even have my car motor with me. I'm getting ready to go fly a drone job tomorrow for a customer. And I won't have a chance, you know, until maybe the weekend. And I'm like, God damn it, it's, I should be flying. Maybe not right now, but um, I bet I could get a 20-minute flight in. So you guys definitely got me excited. <laughs> that, that's awesome. So you're going to go take your 20-minute uh, flight? Do we need to let you go? No, no. I, I, so the crazy thing is I, I loaded I, – I was debating trying to load my paramotor gear and all my dive gear in for two people into the back of my truck, and I decided I couldn't, I couldn't do both. So – I went scuba diving for the first time in more than a year, which I used to be in the water two, three times a week, at least, you know, every week or every other week. And you know, I taught extensively for years. And so um, now, of course, I, I fly more than I ever did paramount. I never did scuba dive. So um, I definitely am loving the flying so much that uh, every opportunity is absolutely amazing. It was kind of fun to watch you guys do because so many people are flying, so many people are posting stuff. And, I mean, honestly, who, who needs regular TV or to watch the news with, you know, everyone that's posting such great material of all the experience? for me, regular TV is YouTube. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, YouTube. It's here, like, it's... Yeah. yeah. So... so Harley, I met you at Aviator in Florida around the beginning of December when I was training. At that point, I know you went on their live stream and did an interview, but how many states were you up to at that point? Do you remember? I think it was 20-something. Yeah, um, I believe when I got to Florida and I did the interview there, it was at state, that was state 19. Okay. Uh, so then I, I left Florida. And I went, and I had been invited and, and reminded about the Palm Bay uh, fly-in, and I was like, okay, it wasn't part of my original plan, but I decided yep. to go back. And so what a lot of people didn't know was I was cranking through a bunch of the states after leaving Florida. So I went through Georgia, the Carolinas, the Virginias, um, 
got pretty, it's pretty snowed in with Dave Malcolm out in uh, Indiana, I think it was, and then went back from Indiana to Kentucky and then to Ohio, and then drove a thousand miles from Ohio back to Florida just to go to Palm Bay. Um, so by the time I got back to Palm Bay, I think I was in like 26 or 27 cents. Gotcha. That's awesome, man. Be able to live out of a camper, go fly, beautiful places with your paramotor. I mean, when you came through Ohio, when you came through Ohio, Harley, uh, as we met up with David Wolf, paramotor crazy. And, uh, I couldn't get off work to, to meet up with you guys. I wanted so bad to be able to catch a flight with you. But. So, so next year, if not sooner, like I mean, hopefully, maybe things get back to some more normality. Um, but my goal is to try and do as many of the clients as possible next year. Another reason why having a plane and a pilot's license could actually make that work for me. Either that or just shut my business down, wash my hands of it, and um, figure out some other way to make a career. Like I would dance on a pole, but no one wants to throw $100 bills in. So, <laughs> um, I, so my goal next year is to try and get to as many of the clients as possible. And um, hopefully that'll be another opportunity to meet a lot of people. But um, honestly, I, I will drive hundreds of miles to go fly with people. So, you know, we'll figure it out. We'll make it happen. Absolutely. Pretty, pretty cool shot. A crazy horse there. I was at Mount Rushmore crazy horse last summer. So pretty cool to see from the air. And, and you remember this little parking lot. Uh, taken off from that little parking lot uh, with no small undertaking. We were there super, super early. and um, That parking lot? Yeah, that little... Oh, oh my gosh. gosh. Um, so the first one, as we are about to take off, we landed up with a slight tailwind. So, you know, halfway down, I boarded that one. And then we changed direction and tried to fly up the other way. And so I got off, off the ground skipped over the grass of the verge there and then land up uh, rejecting the takeoff and landing on the highway there <laughs> and then set up for a third time to make it actually happen um, out of the three of us only two of us got off the ground but um, one of the other guys um, that was with me unfortunately his engine wasn't quite getting to full power so he landed up standing back there deciding not to do the job um, I theoretically had a posse, but we didn't make that. Mm. Wow. Hey, um, I had somebody that wanted to ask a question, kind of not related to, you know, uh, your 50 state challenge. However, since you have so much experience, uh, when it comes to uh, stalling your wing, pulling the brakes, uh, how much brake can you pull before you do a stall? Um, that was asked uh, earlier today, and and uh, it's pretty much because they seemed like they didn't get enough lift. So when they took off, they had to pull some brake, but they were worried about stalling. Now you've flown many different types of wings, um, and you're an ozone fan. I am too. I know with with my Roadster, I I, I have to pull serious brake and sit there for a long time before that thing. Get slow enough to stall. 
what is your take on stalling wings by pulling the brakes too much? Um, yeah, so definitely, you know, the beginner wing versus a more advanced wing. The beginner wing is going to be way more forgiving and it's going to take probably quite a lot of pressure, right? Um, you know, the biggest problem is actually if you get into a slight turn and then you land up putting too much pressure on the one side, that's much more likely. Um, and I can say that from experience, right? That's how I broke my first ankle on my first life. Uh, got scared, got fixated, and then, you know, made a sharp turn at the last minute and stalled the glider in probably 15 or 20 feet up. So it's certainly possible on some gliders, and I've paid for it dearly. I've all the shrapnel to, to show for it. Um, you know, if you're trying to figure it out, the, the, the advice that I have heard and that I think stands true is if you're trying to figure out where the stall point is on your glider, get really high, and then you can figure out. And for a lot of gliders, it's a huge amount of pressure. And quite frankly, if you, if you don't have that experience, then probably don't do it. Do have that experience, then you're probably ready for an SIB anyway. So, you know, I think if you're gonna, I, you know, the thing I keep asking myself is, at what point am I gonna make a mistake because I don't know any better? Yes, I've learned a lot along the way, but I actually like it when other people watch what I'm doing, and especially if they're way more experienced and they can point out things that they think I should be doing differently. And, one of the reasons why, you know, trying to connect with Andrew, connect with Andrew, I need to keep him this SME because I want him to really, as part of me spending time out there, go ahead and do some of the things that I'm doing and then have him tell me, well, you're going to kill yourself and this is what you should do to fix that. So um, I'm a big fan of doing SIVs and, and if you're going to try and figure out the capability of your, of your glider, Make sure you've got the experience to do that, and yeah, probably don't do it without high and maybe have a reserve. And I, I've never flown with a reserve because I've never done the kind of flying that I felt really needed. But after the 50 state and after sort of pulling some of the maneuvers, and if you actually watch some of the videos of me flying early on, you don't see me pulling a lot of wing overs and asymmetric turns and so forth. Yet by the time I get to Florida, there I learned to fly. I shortened my brake lines up a little, and suddenly I could land and I could feel the wing. And I know, for example, on my snake, I could take, you know, a toggle and I can bury it all the way down where I'm touching, you know, the, the side of my hip. And that's the right place for that glider. Um, I did check it with Budak because I, I thought maybe if I shortened my brake lines a little bit more. Um, that I get slightly better player authority on my landing. And so the advice they gave me with that snake uh, with the 18 was for me to trim all the way out in flight and then see how much pressure I could put before the tip of the wings would start to start to turn. And what I discovered is it's exactly the right place. So if I trimmed in a little bit more, I could potentially create a problem by shortening those even another foot up now. Obviously, that's a flight um, at speed. Maybe I could do a quarter inch or something like that. Give me just a little bit more, especially on the, the no wind, 
high altitude landings just to give me a little bit of, you know, a little bit more fair authority. Um, but, you know, know your glider, follow the manual, follow what the manufacturers say, and if you're going to try these things. Uh, I mean, I've had gliders, even, for example, for the pressure difference between um, a snake and a car 16, is hugely different. You need a lot more pressure on uh, on the free ride. It just takes a lot more strength, so to speak. But make no mistake, when that thing turns, it turns twice as fast as my snake does. So, yes, it takes more pressure, but the wing itself is way more real. And that is something I definitely don't like a lot of those wings. Uh, the F1, for example, I would say less pressure than what I think I felt in the free ride, but that wing turns and it knocks. The Piper 22 that I flew from London Ivy, um, it was less comfortable flying fast wings at that point, but that wing does fly fast and it does turn very quickly. So different wings are going to need different pressure and how they react is going to obviously depend on the characteristics. And I'm saying that all from my experience rather than having the expertise that's the part that I always want to make sure it's not like I'm an expert it's a lot more uh, I wish I could explain main characteristics and behavior the same way that Indian does because he seems to understand it and describe it in a way that it's technical in a way that I understand so um, I, I think I need to learn that that it describe sort of what I've been doing and how I think it makes a difference to what is actually a correct representation of those behaviors in a technical way rather than just saying, oh, it's a fast wing or it has fair authority or um, you're going to love that wing because you know, it does X. Um, I see that happen when, oh, I love this wing because it's fast or it turns really quickly or it's got good fair authority. I forget what, oh, efficiency is the most common one I get. It's the really efficient thing. What does efficient really mean? And it might mean different things to So I think we have to be more careful about how we describe certain characteristics. Gotcha. Um, anybody have any questions for Harley? How many um, SIVs have you done? Zero. Oh. It's my first one. Yeah. What, when are you, you going to do your first one? Um, so I'm trying to figure it out with Andrew. Um, hopefully, um, so it, it depends partly on, on my airplane purchase and where that happens. But if I, the planes, most of the planes that I'm finding are on the East Coast, so I would try and coordinate to go out to the SAB and go get my plane and come back with it. Um, so probably within the next, you know, 10 to Six or eight weeks, maybe. When you say Andrew, you're talking about Andrew Fuller? Andrew Fuller. And if you um, make it on the 8th and 9th, you can be down there with me and Shane. 8th and 9th of August? Yep. Right. So so this will be my second with uh, Andrew. Uh, Shane, this will be his first. And... uh, We should all just hang out on the eighth and ninth. That'd be awesome down the Florida. Oh, there you go. I I can't I can't see Shane on the screen here. I see everybody. I'm trying to get You're a welcome. shot, but I, I, I said oh, already. There you are. Okay, okay, hold on. All 
I don't want to be on it. Tell me when you're in group. Tell me what's going on. Cheeseburger. You can screenshot that, right? Yeah, but how are you not on here, though? Why screenshot it when you have a when you have an iPhone?
now is better. Um, and then props, you know, probably about the same. And avionics is a bit of a challenge because, you know, we, especially out here in the Bay Area, ABSD is a necessity. Um, I did find one with an autopilot, which, I'm sorry, I missed that on that plane. Um, you know, I'll fly it as much as I get. What kind of strobe? Flies off staying air as much as you can. Well, my granddad was 90 years old when he got his Rans S14 the last time. It flew all by himself. So uh, that's that's where we all want to be, man. 90 flying by ourselves. Oh, I was just wondering, um, what kind of strobes were you using when you were uh, flying? Because I noticed that you were um, you were flying in the morning and night, but also during the day when you're flying, did you use a strobe? Because I tend to use a strobe anytime that I go up in the air, no matter what time of the day it is. Yeah, I, I'm a fan of doing that. Um, um, so I, I have two great strobes that I liked a lot, and both of them were very generously given to me. Um, I, I tend to always forget to turn the things on, and so I, I put them on my helmet. And so I love the Aviator one. It's super bright. It's easy to turn on when it's on my helmet. Unfortunately, the lions occasionally do get caught on it, or at least the GoPro lights, and that's the downside. Um, and I'm embarrassed to say I don't remember the guy's name, but when I was in South Carolina, there's this guy out there who'd made one for his helmet, and it's, it's super skinny. Maybe a cube, which need maybe two by one and a half inch. Um, costs about 60 bucks for him to make and sell. And it's as bright um, as the Aviator one. So for one for my helmet, I want that one, and it's just a matter of time before I switch those out and put it on there. And then he actually did these two that go in the wings. And if you look at the South Carolina video, he has like a red and a green one, and he, I don't know how he colored it, but um, for the price, that's the guy that, you know, I would go to, of course, the uh, PPG, uh, I like buying from Mark Anson at PPG uh, Supply, and um, the PPG Smoke products are the only other ones I've seen out there that sort of do all three and synchronize and have a decent price and seem to work pretty well. Yeah, I think JP and I have the PPG Smoke uh, uh, three, three strobe, the one that goes out in the wings and the one on the helmet. Uh, JP, how has that been working for you, that uh, that strobe system from PPG Smoke? Uh, great, great. It's uh, um, I, I had a little bit of trouble with uh, one of the wingtip strobes. Uh, it seems to blink intermittently, but... It's been like that since I got it, and I just haven't uh, got on it to get with the manufacturer. I'm, I'm sure they'll warranty it for me, or maybe there's a reset button somewhere. But uh, one of the tips um, goes in and out. It won't uh, link. I think all tips are supposed to go in and out. Just yeah. saying. Something <laughs> goes. Let me rephrase. It doesn't uh, link consistently, and uh, but. The control seems to work great. You know, you turn the, the your head or your mane on, and uh, the other ones follow uh, pretty instantaneously. And, uh, 
thing is, uh, since Sean went to begin to use the manufacturer, Sean at the Brian, Brian Roberts. Yeah, so, you know, I mean, as far as I know, he's been really amazing. And That's what I hear. Products they've got working. I've heard plenty of stories with the uh, Chase Cam where things either broke or he just sent a new one. So, yeah. The service on those things, if they don't work, we'll have a problem. Seems to get busy. I never, did you uh, did you check the blinker fluid in it, JP? <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, might be a little bit low. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you know, I, I haven't told anybody this. I haven't told anybody this, but on my uh, PPG smoke uh, strobe system, one of the uh, the the blinker ones, the one for the uh, wingtip, when I put the uh, the thing into charge it, the whole piece broke off, right? So I contacted oh, them and I said, hey, this thing um, broke, you know, um, what can we do? He goes, no problem, I'll send you out one. Just like that. Uh, came in the mail, like, the quickest, I don't know, I, it probably was a two-day, but it sure seemed like it was the next day. And um, I put it all together and, door. It, and it worked. What's that? You're talking about the battery door? No, the actual charging port where you put it in the USB oh. to charge it. The whole USB port popped off. So did you have to like take it apart and install it? No, 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 no. He sent me a whole new wingtip one. Oh wow! Yeah, so he said no problem. I'll take care of you. You have to send yours back. Nope. Well, this is why I've been putting it off. I need to contact this guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, you just. I, I didn't want to go through the hassle of having to ship back the whole thing and. No, you just send up. And he did. My GoPro thought that I said turn on or something. Weird. GoPro. Hey, GoPro, turn on. Hey, stop. I have three of them in here. Stop, stop, stop. Start recording. No, stop, stop. <laughs> GoPro, take first. <laughs> <laughs> I used to fall asleep during uh, after shows, and these guys would <laughs> turn my lights and the nose. They'd turn my lights on and off when I didn't have a ground, and they'd turn my alarm on and off. and because I've got, you know, the Siri um, HomePod thing, and you can control all that. So i got to be careful not to doze off during some of these after shows. You yeah, I have mine cool. set up too, but it's all in German, so you can't do it. Hey, it's all family, you know. Okay. You know what? That's why these shows are so great. This is my favorite yeah. thing. It's just hanging out with good people, having good conversation. Yeah. You know, all right. Just, and, but I think, like Harley shared, traveling and having so so many accommodating friends and meeting new people and just sharing the passion that's what makes this sport so great it's the community you know absolutely absolutely man no matter what I mean, state you're around in a camper for a while just just people that are camping in campgrounds state parks and stuff they, they kind of get together but you know the paramotor community is a really good community i mean i have not I have yet to meet somebody that was just negative and a, a mean person, you know, when it comes to paramotor pilots. They better not be mean to my paramotor pilots. I'll have to take care of something. Mom Anderson right there, she, she takes care of us. I mean, a lot of people could have really dogged me for being stupid and running into a bill of hay, but I really got nothing but positive support from everybody. I mean... It's a really good community to be part of. It is. Cheers. 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 Hold up. Hold up. Cheers. 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 Cheers.
Cheers. Oh, we got peach. There we go. Good, good cheers. But and, and it's so true. You know, I mean, I've had nothing but uh, really uh, amazing experiences. Even when I first started, I had a flat top and uh, no one said anything to me and was very kind to me when I first started uh, flying and uh, gave me pointers and tips and helped me every time that I got the chance. I mean, nobody was ever negative to me at all. Uh, matter of fact, I've never been around anybody negative uh, in, in, around me, you know, um, and I'm, I'm very happy that I'm in this this group that I am. Of course, we got to see Brian's real quick. Is this Brian's uh, thing? Yeah. Okay. Real, real quick, for the cheers to Brian. May your lungs not be <laughs> and we don't break ankles. <laughs> cheers. Yeah, man. I can't watch that. It's so gross. It's so gross. <laughs> I've seen it so many times. Yeah. Here it comes. All right. Boom. Looking good. Looking good. Oh, wait. Overcrash. And I bet. And, and I bet now. You can actually see the ankle twisted there. It looks pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. It, uh, it, looked, it looked pretty darn good. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, oh dude. Yeah. Completely Ooh. dislocated the foot. The fibula stuck out of the leg. So, yeah. It's. Did you, did you didn't break the skin, right? Yeah, it stuck out. Oh. It, did, it, did a little, it did a little peekaboo. Oh, you did one worse than me, I think. And we played some screws? Yeah, I got a plate with uh, five screws on the fibula and then uh, another long screw going between the fibula and tibia. Oh, you, you might be done one worse than me there. I thought I had some of the worst shrapnel, but... Uh, Dude, it's, it's six weeks later. Like today is six weeks after the accident. I got my casket off. I've got a walking boot on. And I'm, I'm almost walking on it already. I was back flying four and a half months after I did mine. Okay. But um, the only thing else I'll say, don't rush it because you'll end up favoring exactly. that one. Exactly. That's right. Good at five parts. Yeah. Um, I, Let it heal. You know, get, just get someone to take you up with some wheels if you don't think that bad. But, um, yeah, that, that's, that's a, I mean, you'll probably be, if you do the PT, yeah, no, that's right. <laughs> yeah. Um, if, if you do the PT, you'll be back, but it, it takes about a year before you really get your strength back. Uh, for, for those of us that are um, watching this, um, you can close your eyes. However, if you are on paratalk.org and listening to this audio, uh, come on over to clearproptv.com. You can watch this live on uh, YouTube and actually see what we are seeing. So clearproptv.com. Come on over, say hi to us. You can be in our uh, chat, say hi to us. And uh, you know what? This is probably the after show. All you got to do is check out the, uh, I have no the, idea. the notes <laughs> just go over to the notes over here and uh, look at our room number on zoom yeah. and our password come on in and say hi to everyone yeah. clear prop I mean, tv 
So yeah, over on uh, Podbean right now, it's uh, streaming live. Actually, yeah, you should see it over on Podbean right now, uh, streaming live, or hear it streaming live, and then it will go live and go to iTunes and the rest of the uh, podcast uh, af- after we are done with the uh, show. Hey, look, 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 it's Linda. She She's the thumbnail. She's the thumbnail. That's so cool. Oh, now we're watching... Grandpa goes to, to Sonic. Um, yeah, un- unfortunately, unfortunately, um, Tommy texted me and said that uh, his phone died, so he wasn't able to stay on anymore. But yeah, we went over to, to Sonic. Um, New Heart Co., that's something that no one's heard about yet. That's uh, in 2017, I had uh, open heart surgery. They repaired a valve and uh, uh, dilated aorta root complication was a stroke and I was laid out for an entire year what actually helped me get better was um, in the hospital I was kind of hungry for a hamburger or cheeseburger I was searching for it and guess what Tucker got popped up flew to McDonald's uh, flew to McDonald's to get a cheeseburger and I'm like and I'm like what who who's this guy and what is he flying I want to do this so I actually worked really hard to get better and well enough to be able to fly a paramotor. And just recently was I able to go to Sonic and pick up something to eat. And eat that's it, that's, man. And eat that's that. it, brother. All you need is goals, man. You, you yeah. need drive and goals and direction that's, in life. That's Sonic Burger's going to clog up your... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I love Sonic. I love Sonic. Yeah. If there's like a fast food place that somebody hasn't gone to, right? Because Anthony Bella did... Somewhere, I think it was Anthony Bella. He did a taco um, one. You've done Sonic. Taco oh. did. Chick Fil A. Uh, my favorite video. Yeah. Anybody do? Anybody do Taco Bell yet? Yeah. Oh, Taco Bell. Oh no. Actually, uh, uh, BBG Gorilla is talking about doing one, and, and it's a race back to, to the LZ before you have to go poop. <laughs> <laughs> Ain't that the truth? I believe. Oh no, I don't. Alright, you want to do something nobody's ever done, go near Amarillo, Texas, launch, fly into Amarillo, land, eat the 72-ounce steak. Oh, yeah! That's what I want to do, yeah. Take off after eating that steak. You'll have to take off with a different Yeah, how do you do that? But, but, if you, but the thing is, if you eat it all, you don't have to pay for it. It's free. Oh, exactly. Was that the french fries that just fell out? Yeah. There goes my yeah. French fries. Along with all the napkins stuck in this cage. Why am I not getting any protection in the air? Why is there such a drag? Four pounds of napkins hanging from your cage. <laughs> <laughs> I think I just remember, I think it was Anthony Bella that flew to Walmart. Yeah. I did flew to like a Napa auto parts or one of the auto parts places. Oh, that was me. Yeah. Uh, yeah. London Ivy and I did Burger King, but we never publicized that one. That's cool. Yeah, this trip was actually supposed to go to uh, Nick's Barbecue, but um, they were really, really packed, and uh, you know it's going to take a long time. I was going to be up there eating a rack of ribs. That was my goal. Um, and, and, af- and after and after seeing how difficult. And it's the perfect first date food, a rack of ribs. 
and and I, I was like, you know, it was so difficult to eat a hamburger and French fries. I can't imagine eating anything else. So kudos to everybody that went up, that went out, got some food, got on their paramotor, and tried to eat it at 25 miles an hour. It was, it, it was like, how do people There's do that? There's a lot of wind going on. Yes, there is. There's, uh, there's a lot more going on than what you think. I will say yeah. that. I did the peanut butter and jelly challenge at one point. And try to make yeah. it easier than it looks because nothing stays right in front of you. <laughs> no, it doesn't. And don't bring napkins. <laughs> it's, it's messy. It's very messy. I'll say that. Yeah. I would say. The bread is like, all over the place. You take like napkins up there with you. Yeah, yeah, but that could get all kind of peanut butter on your hand. You're trying to do the controls. And I, I, it's like no more napkins. Yeah, it's the next thing is going to be like a, a bib. Yesterday, man, you seen the guy? You seen the guy on the couch? It was just like. Uh, Chilling, Pete, while he was flying on his couch, watching yeah. TV on the big yeah. screen. I'm gonna have to show that. Yeah, who, want, who wants to challenge that? That freaking is awesome. I mean, so Come on, Harley. Come he's, on, he's he's done the chest. Yeah, he's he done chest. Yeah. Done T. He's, he's done a bunch of different things now. He's I like, have, uh, uh, no couches. No. Uh, it's, called, it's, it's called flying couch potato. <laughs> it was it was pretty cool. It wasn't motorized though. It was just. It wasn't uh, even. He wasn't even harnessed in. No, he wasn't. No, dude, no shoot, nothing. I mean, I guarantee you, they put a lot of work into doing a hang test with I've that been, thing. I was talking to this guy. Yeah. I uh, yeah, I posted a comment on there and it went viral. So we've been texting back and forth. Oh, we want him on our uh, show, so let's let's. I might begin. be able to arrange that, Sean. Let's let's do that. Yeah. Let's do that. I don't know yeah. how good his English yeah. is. He's Turkish, but yeah, look at this. So if yeah. you click on his video on his channel, and then, he's uh, he's monetized comments, it. <laughs> the first comment is mine with. Uh, you are a living legend. some amazing stuff right there. There you go, man. Now, JP is famous. Yeah. I got sponsored by Tucker Gott on a crash video, so I feel famous. You <laughs> <laughs> are famous, Brian. You are. Famous. It's not necessarily the claim to fame that most people want, like Tucker's you crash for video, but hey, I'll, I'll take it. Hey, it's dark. Uh, you know, you have two thousand two hundred. Uh, I know the feeling, Brian. On on your on your thing, Brian. <laughs> on your crash video. Did so you actually got uh, your parachute in that backpack? Oh, uh, does he? Yeah, yeah. I, I uh, and he's able to not strap in, but see that bar right there? He buries himself into the couch by pushing off on that bar. That's over the battery. The battery is just a car battery in that box there um, that he's using to power the TV right so, here. So, 
So if everything goes to hell, he can put that backpack on and jump off the couch. No, no, it's not like that. He, didn't, he wouldn't wear yeah, a backpack right. on. It's a reserve parachute like yeah. we wear it. Okay, so we're, okay, the reserve is attached physically to the couch. To the couch, yeah. He's got to okay. stay on the couch, but if it were to get real bad, he could, uh, you'll see when he, off, he wraps his knees around the bridle a little bit um, to make it. No, man. <laughs> Here, see right here? See how he's got his legs inside where uh, the couch is? Yeah. So he can secure himself relatively oh, good. That, like that, that's, that. Yeah, that's pretty but secure right he, there. He yeah. flies this site every day. This site is known for its laminar, completely smooth, you know, hands-off flying. So it's not like he went into this blind. And could take off is the choppiest part, and that's why he's got his legs secured like that. But once he gets up, he just kind of uh, kicks back, relax. He even takes his shoes off. Yeah, yeah I saw that. Takes his shoes, shoes off. Um, cracks a, a coke and has some chips. <laughs> and, uh, and then some of his newer ones, he um, has like four people all around yeah, a table playing backgammon and back, drinking tea and bringing tea. Yeah. He yeah. was like up there too. <laughs> puts on his puts on his TV and shoes. TV. <laughs> All right, guys, I gotta run, but this has been awesome. Thank you. Right. Thank, you Thank you very much, Harley. Thank you. We appreciate See you. Be good, buddy. Well, that was a very fun show. He's awesome. I love him so much. He's just a, a great guy. I, I would sit on the couch with him anytime. Brian, I just saw your text. You should reintroduce Harley. Uh, that was Harley. Um, okay. Too late now. Sorry, Brian. I didn't see the text. I'll uh, just say a big shout, shout out, big thank you to Harley Milton for coming on the show. Harley's the ex challenge yeah. guy that flew in all 50 states. It was really awesome for him to join us on the show tonight. So what what uh, week do we not have a guest? I can uh, bring my buddy on, and his, I can send uh, Sean. I'll send you the video clip um, of him crashing. Is this the um, same? Is this the same one that Linda? Nick Elroy to be invited him on right. for next week, but Sean, you said that you're gonna you got to figure that out because you're you're not gonna be on the road whatever you call yeah well i'll be probably still driving back or or something from the siv course um is it is it next week or no hold on it's like what when is this so we're here on okay so we're gonna have next week's third but the 10th one is uh one that we don't know who we're gonna have yet so it's probably shane who do you have and linda who do you have Is that what you have? Is that yeah, who you have? Yeah. Is that who you have, Shane? The same person? Mark? Oh, Shane's got somebody else. Oh, okay. Uh, so the, the one we're going, the guy that we're going, uh, you and I are going to the SIV course with is uh, the one that crashed out at the compound. Um, he had uh, his brakes stowed and he uh, was going. We watched that video going. on here, didn't we? What's that? I, I don't, I don't know if you guys can see that or not. Yep. She was doing like super 
Yeah, I think we watched it on here. Here, go ahead. Go ahead and throw it on then, because I don't know who you're talking about. He was doing really low, like almost foot drags with his brake stone. Yes. Yeah. Well, he he was going over. He was he was accelerating over trees and then coming down and then accelerating, leveling out and then climbing, going over another set of trees. But he had his brake stowed, and, and when he came down, he, he was actually downwind and didn't have enough lift. So full throttle into the ground, tumbles like a tumbleweed. And actually, after he was all over and done with it, he had to physically turn his motor off. It was still running. Oh, wow. yeah, I think I remember that. He ended up breaking his back. Uh, <sighs> one of his vertebrae he broke, and then... Uh, he ended up walking, drive, uh, packing up his stuff and, and driving home where his wife made him go to the emergency room. Uh, okay. I, yeah, I don't think that's Mark. Uh, he didn't break his back. Somebody else, Joy. This guy is super nice. He's just, I, he doesn't think things through. I, we, him and I have had this conversation. I actually flown with him that Melbourne Beach video that I did, flying the beach. Um, He's in it, and again, he's ten foot off the off the uh, water and hundred and fifty yards from shore. Like, what happens if your motor fails? Oh, I have enough to make it back. I think. What do you mean you think? No, you need to know you can make it back. And not flying with flotation. Oh. I love the gun of death. Just got done camping with him. I mean, we camp almost every trip together, and uh, I just don't know why he doesn't. Uh... <laughs> this is this is what I have right now. I got this one. It's kind of like the one that um, Leah. Take your screen share off. Yeah, see. Kind of the one that Leah Catullo uses. Yeah. That has it's the, for like fishing and stuff. Yeah, it has the um, the cans the little canister in there that that opens up and goes poof. Yeah, um, they're about sixty bucks at. Uh, you wear that underneath your harness? Yeah. Um, this one actually was a lot more than the $60 because this one has the 50 pounds of flotation, something or other. This is one of the most, um, uh, let's see, what does it say? Uh, I don't remember what it is, but it had, it's one of the biggest ones that you can buy. Um, right after this is the one that you can put on a paramotor. So it, it's a pretty big one. I need to strap in and do a hang test and let it explode and see what happens, see where it goes, and see how I feel inside the um, in, inside the paramotor because I haven't done that yet. Hang test always important to do hang tests. So anyway, we are at how many how many hours? How long have we done this? Two and a half hours. Two and a half hours. Seemed like we were doing pretty good until just right now. So, real quick, yeah. um, let's yeah. go ahead and wrap it up. 
let's go ahead and wrap it up real quick. Uh, we're going to turn off the uh, the recording here. Guys, thank you very much for watching. Uh, subscribe if you haven't. Hit that thumbs up. Hit that bell notification. Remember, clearproptv.com. That's where we are going to be uh, doing our streaming. Now, it's going to be on Brian Walker's one day, but if you, you don't know which one it's going to be, Waller's Waller. one day, one day, because, um, you know, Clear Prop TV is going to be forwarded to someone else's channel. So, Brian Waller in the mud, Linda's maybe one day, JP, maybe Shane's, who knows? So, remember, clearproptv.com. And if you don't want to, if you don't want to watch our mugs, don't worry about it. Just go to paratalk.org and listen to us because we are out there. Y'all, thank you very much. Have a great evening and peace out, everyone. Woo woo woo. All right.